welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast, a space where we together will inspire people to do something good. This podcast is for all of us that care. We care about how we spend our days, how we show up for each other and for the planet. I'm your host, Alexander Nash. I am many things as we all are, but the things I most proudly identify with are I'm an entrepreneur, a mother, business coach, athlete, and meditation teacher. I've roamed the impact startup world for over 15 years now. And I feel like it is time to share the stories of so many fascinating people doing so many incredible things. Together with the guests on this show, we will provide inspiration that no act is too small and that we are all needed. Let's dive in to this week's episode. Today, I'm welcoming Sophia Breitholt to the podcast. Sophia has a passion for connecting people and resources through building partnerships to solve global challenges in an innovative way. Sophia is the CEO of Reach for Change, an organization that supports social entrepreneurs working to scale innovative solutions for children and young people. Reach for Change has supported over 1,200 social enterprises in 18 different countries. Sophia has previously worked with business development at EY and with development issues in Africa for the EU. She was the former deputy CEO of the Swedish social enterprise Solvatten and has worked as an advisor for Ben & Jerry's community engagement, as well as for several companies on their sustainability agendas. In this conversation, we talk about the importance of curiosity, grassroots movements, using the business sector as a change agent, and so much more. Hi, Sophia. Welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast. It's so lovely of you to take the time to be here today. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. And on this podcast, I like to start off with a rather deep question to get us straight on topic before we get to know you personally a little bit better. So my question to you is, if you got to view the future in the most idealistic way possible for you, what would that future look like? Well, the mission that I work towards and all my colleagues also work towards is a future where all children have their potential met so that we can imagine a world where, where all children and youth actually have a view of the future, which is positive, uh, which is inclusive, and where they feel that they have all their needs uh, met, basically. Uh, and the way we do that is through supporting social entrepreneurs, because we believe that those are the ones who actually have the best solutions for, for creating this, this world that I would like to see and that my colleagues would like to see. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And we'll probably pull a little bit more on those threads. But before we do, who are you and where in the world are you? And you mentioned your colleagues a little bit there as well. So who are you? Where are you? And what do you do? <laughs> well, where I think is the easiest part. So I will start there. This morning, I'm in Stockholm, Sweden. And that's where part of my team sits at uh, Reach for Change, which is the organization where I'm CEO. 
And we have teams in the Nordics and in the Baltics and in part of Europe, parts of Europe and in Africa, specifically in Senegal and in Ghana and in Ethiopia. So although I'm sitting here today, a lot of times I'm also out traveling and, and in those markets, working with my team and, and working with the entrepreneurs that we support every day. And that's basically maybe brings us into what we do every day. So as I was mentioning before, we see that there's a lot of great innovations out there, basically. A lot of people who have experienced problems themselves, whether it's a social exclusion or you know, mental health issues. We believe that these are the, pro- the the people who actually have the best solutions to address those problems uh, because they have the best insights, basically. They've, they've experienced it themselves. They know what works and, and what doesn't work. So, I mean, in our mindset, we see a lot of potential every day. What we also see is that we don't have enough tools to actually realize that potential. So not enough connections with other entrepreneurs or investors or not enough support, not enough networks for these social entrepreneurs to be able to go through their growth journey. And we believe that if we can support them in growing their sustainable businesses and their solutions and with proven impact, then we will achieve a world where all children and youth have their have their full potential met. So that's what we do every day, basically. And other people may call that incubator or accelerator or support programs or capacity development. But for us, it's about really seeing the potential and and nurturing it. And you also mentioned social entrepreneurs a few times. How would you describe that concept to someone that's not so well averse around it? Yeah. I think that's a a really good question because uh, it's a term that actually has been used a little bit more and more. And, you know, we also have are hearing quite a lot around impact entrepreneurs or, you know, social unicorns or, you know, so there's lots of different kind of ideas for what social entrepreneurs or social enterprises is about. But for us here at Reach for Change, what we think of is that it's an entrepreneur who's using entrepreneurship to solve some of our most pressing issues and their main primary motivation is not to create financial return but actually to create social return but of course we want them to do that through sustainable business models and through good products and services but it's it's a mission question i would say Uh, what's your primary mission what's your primary reason for being Uh, and the social entrepreneurs that we support i mean they wake up every day thinking you know this is the the social problem or the environmental problem that i want to address yeah yeah that's a really i I find that that's a really good explanation it's been uh, having i've worked a lot in the us and started a social enterprise back in 2015 and back then it was a lot of talk about Tom Shoes and Blake McCoskey and the one for one business model. And then that one for one business model have now gotten, you know, maybe some criticism and it's been a lot of discussion of, you know, how are businesses really the best way? Is is it the best and the correct way to support these missions or should you leave the people you know, solving those problems to nonprofits, like who is the actual correct person, you know, to solve the problems. And I mean, I would argue that it's probably a mix of all of them. Like most things, most problems don't have just one solution. Sure. And I think, I mean, the issues that we're facing today are so acute 
that we have to have all sectors involved. It's going to be yeah. very difficult if we don't have cooperation with, you know, the public sector or civil society and and entrepreneurs and businesses. If we don't work together, I think I think we're we're going to make problems even worse than they are today. Yeah. And, and we're facing so many kind of complex things that are are very interrelated. So we actually need all sectors to to step up and change the way we're doing business or, or change the way we're doing things today. And that for me is a really strong argument and a compelling argument for why we need these kind of, you know, all sectors to be involved. Yeah. And, and then I completely agree with, um, obviously, that there are experts in the field and let's not compete with them. Let's use those resources. I mean, that for me is the best of social entrepreneurship that you take entrepreneurship and skill set and mindset but you combine it also with the expertise of um of civil society and of really social impact champions yeah yeah that's that's very well said and i think we some we often forget things like for example i also started some of my companies in sweden and sweden has very heavy tax laws for example, compared to America, social enterprises can file under different tax laws, which obviously helps to get them off the ground. Whereas here you treated similar, which makes it difficult than maybe when, you know, you give certain things away or your business model is a little bit different. So yeah, that's important. Sure. I think this is where definitions are important. I mean, I yeah. tried to say, let's not get bogged down into definitions because I think we all need everybody who's working on change in this in this journey but at the same time when it comes to policy and legislation and these kinds of things that's that's where we kind of need the definitions and where we need to to advocate for for those kinds of you know structural changes which will actually make social entrepreneurs thrive and yeah it's a huge challenge in in Sweden where where we don't have a kind of a legal registration for a social enterprise yeah and who and who are you? Who is Sophia? And how did you end up at Read for Change? Yeah, I I've always been really interested in in partly how business can support in social change. I mean, I'm one of those who actually does think that that businesses should be involved in the society around uh, them. And actually, I think that we're all part of business, you know, either I agree. from the products we, we buy or, or, you know, the services we purchase, we're taking a stance every day. I also, you know, where we place our, our pension money and all of these questions. So I think we all have more power than, than maybe we give ourselves credit for. And I think that the, the business sector is, is an important change in agent, basically. Uh, and so I've been really interested in this from the from the start, really, and have worked a little bit in in the business sector, in management consulting, but also in in the intersection, like supporting business and what kind of initiatives, social initi- initiatives they should invest in, and also have a background in working with large development cooperation in Southern Africa uh, and working with social enterprises. So all of these things kind of led me in the perfect kind of. Uh, mix to reach for change uh, reach for change really had for me like uh, it has uh, the business sector's involvement because of how we were founded but it also has the idea of grassroots solutions and and you know building change and really being able to see that change very quickly every day I also love personally Africa after having lived there so I'm, I'm really happy with with also supporting entrepreneurs from Africa to 
to Europe. And I think on a personal note, I, you know, I've, I've been working with the, these things because I saw inequality very early on when I lived outside of Sweden for most of my life. And I've lived in countries such as Venezuela and Mexico. And I think it's, it, it's when you look at our face that with inequality like that, then for me, it's been always like very clear that I want to do something that, that brings me some kind of purpose. Yeah. Did you live in those countries because your your parents moved around or was it later when you, you know, were out of the Yeah, my parents, my parents moved around and then I, I kind of continued a little bit as well on my own. So Yeah, the apple doesn't ever really fall that far away from the tree. Yeah. Okay, where did, in Africa did you live? So I lived in Southern Africa, so in Botswana, but I worked a lot with the other countries in, in Southern Africa. So it was... Uh, uh, lovely time I think also we have a lot to learn from from ways of, of living there uh, and not only what you kind of traditionally say that you know what what can you know we in the west or in the north teach yeah. others I think it's really important to look at you know what can what can we learn to influence our lives yeah yeah that's an interesting point you bring up I had a couple of guests on the podcast from Bangladesh and they speak about climate change mainly, but mm. they were talking a lot about the narrative that we use. And in climate change is a lot of that Northern hemisphere narrative often, but it's the, you know, it's the Southern as like in Bangladesh and the like, they are the ones that see the con- consequences of the climate For sure. issues, but we never hear their narrative. Mm. And it's an interesting, you know, I think we need to lift up the voices from the people that, like you say, the grassroots people, the people that actually know and live within the context that we're trying to change. Definitely. And how did you know within you that social entrepreneurship was the kind of, you know, the way where you were supposed to put your energy uh, as opposed to anything else? You know, it could have been nonprofit or it could have been any other I mean, I don't think I can say that I woke up one day and had like an epiphany or like, you know, this is, you know, this is my true North Star. This is how it's, you know, I think it's it's a lot of different circumstances and, and also figuring out what what has most impact. And right now, I think that I see the power of social entrepreneurship. I think it's a growing movement. I think it has the potential to really impact also standard ways of doing business, but also to impact really positively the not-for-profit sector. Uh, so I think it's, I love that it's a, a kind of a merging or a converging sector where we can learn from each other and that it's not such straight silos between, you know, this is what business does, this is what civil society does, this is what government does. Because as I was talking about, I don't think that the solutions we have today really can be addressed through those kinds of silos. So for me, it's about like exploring what creates most impact. And I think right now, social enterprise is at an interesting kind of inflection point where it's, it's growing. And I think that there's potential to create some really, really cool solutions out there. Yeah. And how, how do you think that You know, you said that you grew up in a certain way where you saw inequality in these things and that kind of feeling of wanting to change things and maybe using your time and, you know, your wallet and all these things in a good way. What do you think are the best ways to kind of evoke that feeling 
in people that haven't had that upbringing because mm-hmm. i mean a lot of people haven't but it's easy for maybe you and me to have that feeling and act on it but how would you encourage people that maybe have had a slightly different upbringing i think it's a lot about curiosity you know what if you're curious about other people and how they've grown up and as you were bringing up in bangladesh curious about other narratives if you're open minded to that then automatically you will be like looking for you know where do i fit in in this context how can i contribute you know you open yourself up to other approaches and other ways of living and if you can hold on to that curiosity then i think that that's a good way of learning about other people and you know by extension finding out like where do i fit in that chain what can i do yeah and you mentioned a couple of countries where you're active how mm. did you did you choose those places actively or was it circumstances or how come it's those in particular Yeah, in life, it all, all often is circumstances. And in our case, in the Reach for Change case, it was a lot around the partnerships that we had at that time. So I would say more circumstance than maybe active choice. But what we've seen now is more of an active choice around where do we see that we have the most potential? Where do we want to deepen our impact? Where do we feel like that we, you know, we we fit in in, in the ecosystem and can actually um, deliver something that others can't? So I think we're very intentional about where we want to build our footprint stronger but like many you know growing social enterprises themselves you know the 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 growth journey originally was was a lot around circumstance and do you have any other places that you're looking into now or to move uh, into that I think year? right now we're in a stage where we're really focusing of what what we want want to do in the places that that we want to want to deepen our impacts but what we are looking into even more now is kind of the cross border learning so we're launching a program soon in now in October which will be focusing on the nordics as an area and I hope to be doing similar things in kind of regions in africa so it's a little bit of a different approach how we can collaborate with other actors and 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 work and you know cover more more countries and more markets without necessarily you know opening up new offices everywhere Okay, that's very interesting. I'm looking forward to learning more about that. Mm-hmm. And so far, how long have you worked for Reach for Change? For six and a half years now, around. Yes. Yeah. What What has been your biggest surprise during that journey? Oh gosh, many surprises. There's, I mean, an assignment is no never as you know never turns out the way you expect when you first no. take it, right? So I think, I mean, we're we're a very resilient team. So we've we've kind of worked with with all the surprises, but if you know, I look back on this kind of CEO tenure, it's been huge amount of you know, changes. I'm thinking with COVID and pandemic, and actually a lot of kind of conflicts, physical conflict, you know, military conflicts in the markets that we've been in. Now we just have you know rising inflation and and prices going up and you know food costs going up so i mean a lot of cha- challenging things for our social entrepreneurs for the beneficiaries they support for our team a lot of like things to navigate the past couple of years so i i don't know if i you know could have ever have guessed i don't think anybody could have you know going into uh, the strategic period that we have now like in in 2018 how it would look Uh, now in 2023 no it feels a little bit since the end of 2019 that it's been 
just like one thing after the other it's mm. you're trying to completely exhale but you don't really ever get, yeah. get there how did you manage during the pandemic did you try did you manage to travel at all how how no I mean we limited limited travel quite a lot so yeah. so we we didn't do that but I think I mean we fared uh, probably better than others because we have such a globally dispersed team Yeah. So we've built our team a lot around culture and around, you know, supporting each other, but also around working digitally. So <laughs> for us, <laughs> for us, it was actually maybe not such a big transition as no. others um, have had. No, and I mean, I I actually traveled to Africa during the pandemic, which was an interesting experience, but. It was interesting to see the pandemic from different narratives again. It was a completely different narrative there and not such a big change in the way they lived. I think mainly because they've been facing death in the eye for so long that it wasn't, you know, that much of a difference to many of them where I was. Yeah. So it was also it was it was a good trip where you got to see, you know, a little bit beyond the doom and gloom that was the narrative of and I mean of course rightfully so of the west but it was again a lot of it was a lot I think a, a pretty one-sided narrative again um, during that whole uh, period yeah so so the social entrepreneurs that you work with could you give an example of you know how do you like what does what do they look like what do they do how do you support them yeah I think I mean what's in common with all of them is that they really you know have a lot of passion and a lot of grit they really they're really you know eager to address a pressing problem and most of them as I was mentioning have experienced it themselves so that's what makes their their stories so compelling but In Sweden, for example, we have one social enterprise that we've been working with now these past two years who, you know, saw the unequal representation of of different different types of people in the doll sector, basically. When she was going to buy dolls for her kids, there were no dolls that looked like her. And this is something that she, you know, already experienced in her childhood and then to grow up and, 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 you know, yourself have a child and then realize that it's not, uh, any know, better. not changed <laughs> is, uh, you know, what prompted her and her husband to, to set up, um, you know, an in- inclusive kind of doll uh, business. So I think that that's a great example of, of, of somebody who's, who's, you know, see the, sees the problem and actually takes action and that's like more of a product but we also have lots of services and different things so it can also one of the examples that i use a lot is of somebody who has actually had an, an impact where maybe not necessarily they've scaled their business but they've really had an impact on the systems around is an entrepreneur called Hayford from Ghana and he really wanted to address the problem of children not reading enough and not being able to read and and not having access to books in rural areas of Ghana so he established a kind of a mobile library where he could go around and and really you know give the ch- children who otherwise didn't have access to to these books access to books which is amazing and but now what he has done is uh, he's actually been 
appointed within the government to work, you know, as as head of all the the, the national library, but also like the library institutions in Ghana. So I think that, yeah, I mean, for us, success can look really different. It can either look like growing your, you know, doll business, but it can also look like um, changing the systems uh, around you and really having a positive effect on a larger scale. And how do you find these social entrepreneurs or do they find you? Yeah, I would say a combination of both. So they, you know, we always use our networks on the ground, but uh, a lot of the times they also find us and apply. So if you're in Sweden, we actually have our application period open now for Swedish entrepreneurs. Okay, nice. And what kind of what kind of support do they get then from you if they... So it's uh, a lot of what we call capacity building. So it's it's matching and networking. We try to to network them with you know who they need to network with, whether it be investors or whether it be you know advice and on you know how to implement the best, how to you know file a tax return or something. But it's also really a lot around mentoring and handholding and being part of our community you get access to business coaches and and we support with you know identifying your problem doing your business plan measuring your impact building your team everything that you know you need in terms of building a business that's really and is it is it a time limit do you enter it for like a year or is it ongoing normally it's a year and then we do kind of reinvestment decisions like does this still make sense for the entrepreneur and does it still make sense for us so right now in Sweden, we the average time is two years, uh, but we've also had entrepreneurs previously who have you know been with us for uh, maybe three, four, or five years sometimes. Oh really? Wow, that's mm. that's really good support. Mm. And how do you in this? Because I find often when you work on a mission that you're really passionate about, it's easy to to fall in the. Uh, I don't want to say trap but when you you know in the hustle and you work a lot and you get a little bit bogged down by the whole impact and the mission how how have you taken care of yourself and like your own needs to be able to sustain yourself so that you can actually keep working on the mission yeah I mean I think it's a good question it's like an increasing question that we that we have to deal with a lot of our entrepreneurs since they're exactly as you say so mission driven you know there's a high rate of burnout Uh, there's a, a you know a high rate of kind of stress and overwhelm and feeling that this is a lonely journey and you know I would love to say that I have the best like tips and tricks myself but I mean, unfortunately, I fall into the same traps uh, as well, definitely, of, of you know, uh, blurring the lines between work and, and home and, and, you know, being really, really committed to, to our work kind of every day. And when you are very committed to that and when it's people you're dealing with, so, you know, it has such a large impact uh, if you don't, you know, do things well <laughs> that are needed to be done. It, it is a lot of pressure. So. I mean, as I said, it would, would be great if I had like a checklist. I, I can give you the checklist, but I have to be honest, I don't always follow it myself. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but it's definitely something to work on and something something I, I continue to try and do to, you know, find my, my moments of energy uh, where I can get my positive kind of enforcements and try to focus on those and, and find that balance. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think often especially social entrepreneurs 
they have such a strong why and within the whole you know Simon Sinek why model of the why how what I often think that maybe we should add like a who you know who Mm. who should be like in the middle of the why like who who are you and what are your needs and what do you want because I think you know we're humans and even though we have a big mission and you know you have a lot of people to support if you can't support yourself or maybe your own family or you know your own kids never see you it doesn't help the mission you know the mission doesn't become what it once was for sure it's all intertwined uh, but of course it's i mean it's difficult i'm thinking a lot of our entrepreneurs are maybe one or two people yeah, and, and then they're growing to, you know, maybe hiring four or five people or something like that. That's like a great journey if they get there. But it is often lonely. And if you're doing everything yourself, it it, it is quite tough. So, I mean, it's a conversation we have a lot with our entrepreneurs, you know, supporting them and prioritizing and what can you delegate? And, you know, because it's hard with tiny, tiny resources when you have, you know, kind of life saving mission that you want to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's, that's the key there. I think it's often a financial, in the beginning, it's easy to do everything yourself, because everything costs money. And I mean, that's a, that's a reality. Mm -hmm. And even though one can say that, maybe it's okay to spend money to gain energy. But if you don't have the money to spend, then, you know, it's not an option. Yeah, so it's, it's really important to kind of build your tribe around you that support you in different ways. And try to get more people on the journey that can help you, whether that be a, you know, a positive board that can actually be operational or, you know, people who can come in and do pro bono services and these kinds of things. And also, I mean, I think it's great individual entrepreneurs, but I would also say that, I mean, there's so many synergies between a lot of solutions and things yeah. out there. Uh, so, you know, looking for those smart partnerships, it's, it's not only about kind of, growing growing your impact and and doing that in a smart way it's also about you know not being so lonely and and, you know having you know there are different ways to get your tribe or your team build that around you yeah not everyone has to reinvent the wheel Mm. so what lights you up mostly on this journey uh, well, I was thinking during during the most uh, difficult like times of the pandemic, I think uh, those who were kind of working on the front line uh, of that and, you know, being confronted by problems every day, I think that that's, that's a challenge and that's something that I would find really difficult. What I like about this uh, work that I'm doing now is that I'm more, fo- you know, confronted with the solutions every day. And I think that that's, you know, that's something really positive and that gives me a lot of energy not to get stuck in in the problems of things, but to be actually always looking for for solutions. I think that that's creative and like that drives me a lot. It's a good reminder because that's often that can also be just a mind shift. Mm, Definitely. And on the contrary, what makes you angry? Yeah, I mean, I really don't like inefficiencies, if we put it that, or, you know, duplication of things or, you know, when when people are not honest or not transparent and, you know, those kinds of injustices as well. I, I just, for me, I just wonder why can't we just 
you know, do things a little bit more efficiently by getting along and, and doing things well together. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you often when we talk to people that, you know, follow their passion and, and do things that really matter to them, we talk about what they've gained. But also in order to be on this journey, I'm assuming you've had to say no to a lot of things. Like you've had to say no to other kinds of jobs and maybe other kinds of schedules. And what mm. are some of the things you've had to say no to, to be able to be on this path? Mm. I think a lot of different kind of, for me, there have been lots of, you know, paths not taken in that way for definitely like jobs in other sectors or jobs in other countries and in other cities and these kinds of things so I think I mean it's a good kind of wake-up call to be to be confronted with kind of choices I think it's a, a good kind of test also for you know am I putting my energy in the right place or you know do I want to make a change do I want to make a, a shift so I mean I've obviously said said no also to larger organizations and and to other organizations with other missions or you know more profit making initiatives uh, but you know for me it's it's about kind of making the choice every day that uh, sticking with it and I think that we're on to something here so that's why I'm committed to to this journey that we're making yeah that's um, really nice yeah and I think we sometimes forget that that we are faced with a lot of with a lot of options and ideas and things every day and it's as much as it's about as it's about jumping on the things it's also about saying no and I, I would imagine especially for your social entrepreneurs in the beginning it's very hard to know which one is which for sure and, for and you have a tendency to say yes too much yeah for us and as an organization I recognize that a lot as well I mean we're also you know tend to say yes to everything and I mean focus is a big of big thing so it's really something that we're 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 working on uh, more conscientiously to to actually prioritize and to say no to partners or initiatives or you know consortiums or whatever it is that yeah. that won't bring us closer to our mission or maybe that will take more time and more energy than it will give given an increase of our impact yeah and you you said that one of the things that frustrates you is you know when things aren't uh, efficient and mm. i was just curious how you know an entrepreneur in Sweden and an entrepreneur let's say somewhere in Africa mm. a lot of things are similar but are there also things that are different or do you feel like I mean idealistically you could create a platform or a framework that would work for everyone I mean obviously with a little bit of modification yeah. or do you think because I could imagine maybe they're facing slightly different I mean, they're they're facing definitely different systems and and different challenges. And I mean, we don't even have to you know address the difference of you know living within a welfare state and living within a place where you don't have any kind of access to adequate services. So yeah. obviously, there are so many uh, differences. But I think the exciting thing, or what I've learned, is that there are so many more similarities than there are differences, really. Uh, and that our entrepreneurs are just so interlinked. So I really do think that there are some core competencies that that we can support them with that help all of our entrepreneurs grow. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. I like that. And I, I try to think that too. I think with of, often with most things, whether it comes to political views or religion or what country you're from, if we actually are curious and look close enough, I think we'll see more similarities. 
yeah than differences but it's often the differences that you know get the attention and the space to to thrive unfortunately agreed absolutely and uh, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges that these social entrepreneurs have when they scale are they different from regular entrepreneurs or yeah there's so many challenges I mean no I I I I don't think I think an a lot of entrepreneurs are struggling with with similar questions like uh, you know product fit or you know just general kind of you know how do I build my business how do I build my team you know all these things that's why you know we get a lot of serial entrepreneurs obviously who tried one thing and then 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 you know come back and try another so and I I like that concept that we're always you know reworking things but obviously I mean social enterprise is not as well known we don't have as good examples with scale, it's very difficult to find a customer all, a lot of the time when your beneficiary and your customer are two different segments, which is yeah. often what our entrepreneurs face that, you know, their, their, their service or, or, or their product actually solves the, the answers of a lot of people who maybe can't pay for that product or service and maybe shouldn't pay for that. So maybe it should be a government customer or something if it's an educational initiative or a health initiative. And the question is, if you don't have, you know, governments that are willing for pay, to pay for that, uh, you know, how, how do you scale? So, yeah, lots of lots of other complex challenges, maybe that standard entrepreneurs don't have when it comes to really, you know, customer and target group. Are there any examples that you can point out, you know, in the Nordics that have managed to do the scaling? Because when I think of just what comes to mind of like scale large social entrepreneurs it's mainly I don't know Warby Parker and Thank You Water and these organizations maybe in America and Australia yeah uh, do you have any more in northern Europe I mean we have some good that have scaled in in our programs we have a great initiative or a, called Peppy Pals which is supporting young children and 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 youth basically to develop more empathy through games and things and they've had a really good scaling journey where they've also been acquired and now they're you know using their methods and in, in in other kind of ways as well that's wonderful. Uh, one of our first entrepreneurs is also called uh, make equal uh, and they have a great kind of scaled their uh, their consulting services basically where they're looking at uh, you know, creating more equal and diverse society, basically. And I mean, they're, I think, like 20, 20 or so people now and really working. Uh, I mean, they've trained so many businesses and, and other sectors. But I think that for me, that's also a great impact if you think about the reach they've had. That's wonderful. Yeah. I always like to ask this question. So we'll see where we go with this. What's the one thing that you spend a lot of time doing in your childhood that, that you wish you had more time to do now? Oh, yeah, I was a reader. I read so many books. <laughs> I love reading books. And, you know, with, with technology and with like an iPhone in your hand all the time and with competing agendas with everybody <laughs> at home and, and at work, it's really hard to find that time. So. I mean, I would yeah. love to get back. I read somewhere that Obama always like ended his days with reading a book, yeah. even, you know, so I think if, if you he know, can do it, you can do it for sure. But something yeah. I would love to, to do more. What what kind of books would you like to read? If you oh, everything, everything from fiction to nonfiction to everything, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I think as we, the reason why I like to ask the question is because I think as we, as we grow up and get, you know, become adults, everything becomes a little bit more transactional. Mm, for sure. And reading is one of those things that if you read for pleasure, mm. there might not be an obvious transaction. But I think like with all those things that gives us a little bit more of that mental, you know, space and white space and capacity. Yeah. It's actually that that leads to, you know, I think there's a reason why some of the greatest poets and professors and writers were also like very uh, good walkers. They walked for hours, mm. yeah. you know. Uh, and I think there is a con- connection there that we often forget because it doesn't feel productive yeah, as we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. If So if you were to give uh, the listener one simple thing that they could bring with them that would make an impact for humanity or for the planet, what would that be? Well, I think that, you know, not everybody has to become a social entrepreneur you know, not everybody has to start a social business, but I think everybody can do something. And now whether that's, you know, some kind of support in your community or, you know, supporting one one type of individual, I think just asking ourselves like every day a little bit about this, you know, how can I be of service? I think that that's, that's something that maybe in our Western culture, we forget quite a lot, but, you know, it has been proven on happiness skills and all of these things that it's you know one major component for us actually to live happier and healthier lives so I think it's a good argument to to think that way yeah and and it's just about finding finding your little piece how you can contribute and what you see as a small contribution uh, can be a massive contribution in somebody else's eyes yeah yeah and I I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here, but are there any things for someone that's sitting there and thinking like, okay, great, I could do something tomorrow, but what can I do? Do you have anything really simple that they could do? Yeah, happy. Reach out to us. We always have ideas. <laughs> so if you really want to want to get engaged and get involved, you know, check out our website and you know, reach out. And and there are so many ways to contribute to to our mission, if that's something that resonates with you. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So that actually leads me to the final question. How can we and the listeners support you in the best way? Spread our story. I think that that's great. You know, if something that you've heard today triggers you or, you know, in a positive way or inspires you, I mean, share it. I think positive storytelling is something that we really underestimate as a change agent. I would I would love for for more people to talk about you know, maybe one thing that you've taken from from this conversation and share it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. And that's something that comes up quite a lot, actually, how, you know, positive stories Mm. uh, is what brings on the impact and not always pondering the negative side of it, because that has a tendency to grow apathy instead, uh, which is not what we need now. Yeah, that's a great tip. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for taking the time and for inspiring us and getting for us to get to know your, you and your organization a bit better and for letting us really know that we can all do something. Thank you. Thank you for using your precious time to listen to the We Are All Needed podcast. And if you find the podcast valuable, please rate, review, and most importantly, share this episode so that we can spread more goodness out there in the world. If you want to work with me, find out more about the guests or the community, please jump on over to 
www.thecircularentrepreneurs.com. Until next time.